the fact that I actually did my hair, like I, I put in like stuff. Like I put in product. I actually see that. That's actually kind of cool. I know. There's product in my hair. It's like sticky. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. We're a lifestyle podcast hosted by adult gamers trying to juggle our hobbies with the increasing demands of the real world. Join us each week to catch up on what we've been up to lately, whether it's saving the world from space aliens or learning how to change a diaper. Check out our website for links to connect with us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and more at GameLifeBalance.us. I'm Neil from the Starling Tribune, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Check out all the other great podcasts at GunnaGeek.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three... Two, one. Here we go. Do you remember when we um? Do you remember when we talked about Final Fantasy Record Keeper for a while, and then at like Major Game of the Year or whatever? Um, yes. What about it? So EA released a game on cell phones. Like, that apparently coincided with the release of the new Star Wars movie last year, at the end of last year. Okay. And it's, it's a squad, it's like a squad-based role, it's like a role-playing battle game. So, like, you you create a squad of six heroes from the Star Wars universe, and you, you go into these, like, battles, and it's like a role-playing game setup in terms of, like, it's turn-based, menu-based... Every character, there's like 50 or 60 different characters. Every character has all these different abilities that synergize with one another. It's like really deep and tactical. So I started playing that because I just needed something to do on my phone when I had extra time. And um, it's surprising, but it's like Final Fantasy Record Keeper in that it is it is like the most grind-heavy game, like cell phone game, that I've ever played. Because like you can upgrade... You can upgrade your units by like in, by like training them to increase their level. You can upgrade their rank by collecting these shards that like increases their power. You can upgrade all these different equipment slots that they have, which you can then once you have all of their equipment slots filled, you can like upgrade their equipment level and then fill all the slots again. And then each individual ability you can upgrade individually to make it more powerful for each one of these 60 heroes. But here's the kicker. I mean, it's a free game, which means that it's got microtransactions. The second day I was playing it, it's like the pop-up happened to the game and it was like new special offer. Kylo Ren and who's the villain in the new movie. And I think Poe and one other character from the force awakens plus a bunch of other like items and money and stuff in the game for ninety nine ninety nine. Are you kidding me? No, that was like the deal. That was the deal that they were offering. A hundred dollars. For and like it unlocked four of the sixty characters. And I'm not even exaggerating. It was the it was the craziest pricing thing I have ever seen in a microtransaction game. Ninety nine nine. I can. Sh- I mean, I can pull it up. It's still on there because it's, of course, a deal that it's a it's a it it's a once in a lifetime deal. It's not going to be around long, even though I'm sure I'll always be able to buy it if I want it. Yeah, ninety nine ninety nine. That is ridiculous. It's insane. I I feel like for ninety nine ninety nine in any video game, it should unlock everything. Yeah, like, seriously. That's, that's that's incredible. That's more than any <clears throat> video game costs. How can you? Le- that's. I mean, it's. Not if you count, like, all of the DLC for a game. Like, if a game is, like, 60 bucks, then it's got $50 of DLC, but, like, it's a lot of freaking money. It's Not a lot of money. if you're talking games that existed before DLC was a thing. Yeah. You could get yeah. you could get the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection and have the original two Metal Gear games and the four Metal Gear Solid games all on PS4 for $60 with all of the original content. Yeah. Six games. Yeah. I just think it's I think it's really crazy that it it unlocks four of of the sixty characters. Like that's, I think that that's the, I think that's the craziest part of all of it. That is asinine. What is the game called? Um, the the actual game uh, is called Star Wars Battle Heroes. I think um, 
and and honestly, it's it's really good. I haven't put I haven't put a dollar into it. Um, you can you can unlock all of the characters over a course of a long period of time. Um, but I like I said, I needed a game just to kind of pass the time because uh, I had gotten a new phone and like everything got wiped and I didn't remember what I had on there before. And it's totally good for that. So yeah, I just could. I just thought it would was super interesting to have this hundred dollar microtransaction for like a, a tenth of the characters. Less than that. That is patently ludicrous. Really, I'm sure. I'm sure they're like, oh, it's the new characters, so we feel, you know, like people want to get on the new characters, but like a hundred dollars, like it it doesn't even like look right. It doesn't look right in in the app in the store in the in the game. I don't know. It's crazy. Maybe as a glitch, probably not. That is probably not so ridiculous. You Um, may notice that I have this frog in my throat and I'm coughing again. It's mostly because. Like I told you before, my son basically is a plague is a plague carrier. Um, by the way, everybody, hi, welcome to um, Game Life Balance uh, US, the US version of the Game Life Balance podcast. There's not a lot of balance I'm, at this juncture. I am Jonathan Martin, and this is Cody Goff. We're the host of this show. There is no balance thus far. It's been you talking about video games, actually, yeah. and we're like but 23 I minutes into the podcast. I came equipped with, um, so I I took enough cough syrup so that I'm going to start robo tripping, uh, in in about a half an hour. So it should make the podcast really good. Um, and I have a whole I got a whole bag of cough drops with me. So uh, hopefully the coughing will be kept to a minimum. Well, good, prob- good luck, I guess. Yeah, I mean we could talk about some life stuff stuff. Well, we could, uh, but before you, I wanted to talk about things. Why do you get a big tangent at the beginning of the episode, and then you get to launch into your segment? I'm not even going to talk at this rate. You just said you want. You which just said I, you wanted to talk about things. Which I understand is probably your it's goal. Better for, it's it's better. It's actually. a goal, but uh, I there are so many things I could talk about. My life is interesting too. Outside of is microtransactions, it? it is. It's so it's so interesting. It's intriguing. It is esoteric. That's it is not the right word. Quixotic. It is quotidian. It is Mediterranean. Many things. I'm reading books. How do you feel about that? I'm reading many books. I mean, like books are cool. I Very guess. interesting books. There's it's- one. Wait, if it's if it's exceedingly idealistic, unrealistic, and impractical, that's your life. Did you just look all those words up? Just quixotic. That's what quixotic means. Uh, well, I'm glad you looked up all those words. I'm reading a book about the Federal Reserve. What do you know about the Federal Reserve? Uh, I know that they're super corrupt and they shouldn't exist because the because the internet told me so. So I don't I, know anything about I don't really know anything about the Federal Reserve. Right. I watched it, a docu I watched a documentary and it didn't teach me anything about the Federal Reserve, or at I, least I didn't retain any of it. No one knows about the Federal Reserve, right? So this is why I'm reading the book. So um so, so it starts I'm just at the very beginning of it, and it starts with a little bit of the history and then it goes into kind of how it works and what its power is and what exactly it means that it's quote unquote independent. Because everybody throws that term around like it's independent from government, but it kind of isn't. I mean, it is in many ways, but it, it kind of this book, I guess, kind of. But isn't it run by what, the feds? What's that? It's run by the feds, though. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far. Exactly. Well, this isn't very interesting at all. You have well, no idea what the Fed is. What's interesting is that in it. So I watched the first half hour of a 90-minute documentary on the Fed, and the first half hour goes into the history. So I know about its origins. I know about this secret meeting on Jekyll Island with a bunch of bankers, and I know that Woodrow Wilson signed it into law in 1913, two days before Christmas Day. And today I was doing laundry, and I thought to myself, well, if I, if I just listen to a couple YouTube videos while I'm folding and sorting on a little bit more background of the Federal Reserve, then when I'm reading this book, which is a more advanced reading level, then, you like know, I'll have... Like fifth grade. Yeah, fifth, fifth or sixth grade, even. I mean, yeah. I'm really being pretty ambitious with this. Like, you're saying, you're saying the font got smaller. Like, that's how you know. That's how you know you're in the big time. 
It is still double spaced, but yes, the font is smaller. Yeah, the font gets smaller. Yeah. So, so I, I pull up a couple of YouTube videos, and the first one was a seven-minute video about how the Fed is the biggest heist in history and how it's robbed the American people. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is very anti the Fed, so that's fine. So I looked up another video and I found like a really the only pro Fed video I could find was a really cheesy government released video from the eighties. You sure. know, with a guy with a bow tie and it's got the cheesy music and Yeah, it's so, like what does the Fed do for you? Yeah, yes, exact yes, that is exactly what they say. What does the Fed do? Well, it creates money. And what does that mean? Here's how the Fed keeps the US economy rolling. You know, like just like that. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. Then I got into this other video, and it's it just has all these patriotic quotes about how banking has has ripped our freedom away from us, and how we're all beholden to bankers. And then, in in a twist I did not see coming, it explains the JFK assassination. <laughs> these conspiracy theories are all related. You fell down a YouTube hole is what happened. It was amazing. It was you amazing. Fell down, you fell it down a YouTube seamless. hole. It was seamless. It was because in, in the, the video creator's reasoning is that – so the Fed is, is privately run, right? It's not technically the government. So the Fed lends the government money with interest. So the argument of this video is whenever the Fed creates money, it is creating debt for the U.S., Let's say the Fed gives the U.S. a trillion dollars. Well, there's automatically interest for that. So how do you pay back more money than now exists was the logic. And anyway, apparently JFK issued some kind of silver currency. A few billion dollars in some sort of silver currency was was introduced into circulation in the U.S. Wait, was it was – it, um, did he call it Bitcoin? Yes, Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a JFK release, I believe. And and five months after Bitcoin was introduced, the Fed, uh, he was assassinated. And the reason why of all of the enemies JFK had, all Mm. the Cuban thing and everything else, the the reason is, I know you're tapping your nose. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. The... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the reasoning was that then a banker was put on the committee to explore why JFK was assassinated. And so that banker is the tie to the Fed. And then it, it linked to, like, thetruth.com or something. You know, and a, the, the real you truth. You know, we can't, we can't talk about this so publicly. Yeah. <laughs> because that we will be next. I've been, be on next. The, I've been on the NSA's list ever since I... Outed myself on Twitter as Edward Snowden's pretty much biggest fan. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, you're probably right. Straight I male fan. His, you're his, pr- you're probably going to have a hard time flying in the future. I would yeah, imagine. I haven't. Oddly, I think I think the U.S. I think the NSA is banking on me flying out of the country and then keeping me out. That'd be fine. I'd be fine with that too. Because it, it costs money to extradite, right? Not if you're, like, leaving willingly for a vacation or something. Or excommunicate. Extradite would be something different, right? I don't I don't think excommunicate is a word that gets used anymore. That was something that they did in, like, communes, you know, back in, like, the 1700s. That's fine. Well, anyway, so I'm reading That's this. what happens at the start of Secret of Mana, where the boy gets excommunicated from his village. Oh, I believe he's for touching for, for touching the mana sword. For is drawing that, the mana drawing sword. The, drawing the mana sword out of the... He drew the sword from the stone. Is that what happened? Yeah, pretty much. So speaking of banking, it's interesting you said that because I saw, I saw the movie The Big Short this weekend. You mentioned that and you said it was good. Dude, it was, it was awesome. It was, a, it was more of a documentary than I expected it to be. Um, I actually thought it was more of... I th- I, so I didn't know much about the movie going into it, but I, I, I thought it was like a drama or, or just like a comedy drama type thing that was like, this is what happened. But it's like legitimately... A documentary with famous people, um, with like a loose, a relatively loose story that ties everything together. That was the real story of what happened, and and the people in the movie, the actors in the movie, play all of the real people that participated in the banking crisis, or or not all of them, but some of them, some of the major players that participated in the banking. The ones crisis. we know about. Sh- sure, it was, but it was super. It just it makes it just made me feel really dirty. Like, just really awful. 
just like just really awful about about banking. So like and and I think that that's a very big topic in like the election this year is just like the, like breaking up the big banks and the Fed has always been on like everybody's political docket in terms of something that they always bring it up. So I think it's just a little more salient this year of a point. Uh, and so I think that's also why this movie probably came out around this time. It was because it's kind of a kind of a big deal in this political cycle. But it was just it was a great movie and I recommend seeing it, especially if you have like any interest in what happened. Because it's it's just like like they break it they explain it in this really dismissive, condescending way that's like it's basically like the like the federal government and the SEC and Wall Street just like makes it far more complicated than it actually is by using all these big words that only they use and so they like break it down it's good i would recommend going to see it i'm i've wanted to see it since it came out and i'm glad that we did yeah see i it, i feel like it would just make me really angry I, it, it did yeah there was definitely some of that too do you do you think it's a biased i mean obviously there's some bias but do you think it's completely accurate I believe it is definitely biased. I believe there is probably some accuracy there. Um, I have no way of knowing. It's not like I. It's not like. It's not like there's been this big investigation into what actually happened around that time. I think this is, but I think this is. I mean, I don't know. There were some. There are some parts in the movie where, where Ryan Gosling's character breaks the fourth wall and he says like, "This literally happened." Like, the character that he is playing, the person that he is, it's like, it happened exactly like this. Like, this guy was at this meeting, he stood up, he said these exact things. I mean, so, like, I think there was, there were definitely some moments in that movie that were true and accurate. Wow. Well, I'll have yeah. to check it out. Yeah, It was I, cool. It was really good. What I was, before you went into your story about the Star Wars microtransactions, which I did think was interesting. I was going to open the podcast by telling you that b- between my reading about the Federal Reserve and all this educating <laughs> I'm trying to do uh, of of myself on politics and economic theory and political theory c- leading up to the election to be more informed, I have this actual desire. I have this fantasy world in which I do a learning about politics podcast co-hosted by our friend Max, our friend Russian John, you, and maybe my girlfriend. So it's just several different political perspectives, several different levels of uh, knowledge of politics, several different angles at which we come at politics. And it would be, I think, fascinating, horrifying and many other things. I don't think I'd have anything to teach anybody. The only thing I'd have would be my point of view. But you're good at you're good at asking questions from a different perspective than I am because your wife is very political. So you two, I I'm actually know. more political than my wife. Are you? Yeah, but I just yes, I am. I'm also an incredibly analytical thinker. So that may be that may be part of part of it you know what actually my girlfriend has told me several times she well well she's no that actually doesn't count well she's told me that before that i'm i'm good at navigating parts of business and society and things kind of like a game like rules like the rules of getting a job you you have to strategically do this and this to get this job and then this and this i've also always said that about you yeah i'm being really vague but what i was gonna say is i have started to look at I mean, our political system really is a game, right? And it's interesting because you can either play the game or you can do... You can what, die. That's It's the Game of Thrones. It is. You either play is. the Game of yes. Thrones or you, you die. How did you know I was going to go there? Yes. No, it's interesting because you can play this internal game by the rules and you can endorse the right people and get financial backing and scratch people's backs the right way and... Uh, work with the, the right organizations and kind of get your your politics right, quote unquote, to get a bunch of support. Um, but that's completely independent of you actually doing your job. 
And what I think is is happening is that the American people, uh, in a lot of cases in this election, are getting really tired of, like, this political game, right? Like, a certain politician might take money or do this or vote for this or filibuster against this, regardless of what his constituents or the state he was representing, what those people want. He's just like, well, this will give me favor with this person, which will help me further my career in this way. And it, it becomes this, like, incestuous little strategy game that's just, like, really perverse and kind of totally isolated from everything else. And I think, like, everybody's known that, but I don't know. I think it's just becoming really, really apparent in this election, at least to me. So, I don't know. It, it, it There's a game aspect of politics that I'm now aware of through conversations with my girlfriend that I, I don't think I had considered before. I, th- I think you also have to be careful not to connect dots that don't have a line between them. I think it's very easy to slip into conspiracy theory with a lot of stuff. So I just like when when the whole when this whole election cycle first started, I got I got really excited. Um especially because like when then we talked about Bernie a couple of weeks ago, but when when Bernie came around, I got very excited about Bernie. Uh just because of what he was talking about and the way in which he was talking about it. Uh and I still am excited about him. But his most enthusiastic supporters are some of the most obnoxious people on the internet that, that like, I've had to navigate. And I'm not interacting with anybody. I'm not posting on Reddit. I'm, I'm reading a lot on Reddit. I'm, I'm not posting on Twitter. I did post one thing on Twitter, something very minor. But I'm not reading a lot. I'm not, like, interacting with people on Twitter a lot. But just, like, like I get... I get the anti-establishment attitude. I get the reason why the supporters of both Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are excited about having a non-establishment candidate. I think it is uh, grossly reductive to assume that nobody else in the quote-unquote establishment has the people's interest at all in mind with the way that they with the way that they with the way that they participate in politics i think it's just incredibly reductive and dismissive like i like i don't think that every single politician other than these non-establishment candidates are 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 like corrupt and paid for exactly yeah yeah i think that's that's definitely fair but when you read but when you read trump's and bernie's biggest supporters that is what that is what like they are trying to like that is what they are trying to convince me of, and it is so radical and again, kind of tipping into conspiracy theory that it's just beca- like it's becoming less enjoyable. And I still think Bernie's message is wonderful, but I just think that his the the some of the outliers, just like there's crazies in in like every political party, I just think that some of the outliers now in his political party. Are, are kind of making it less fun for me. And it's not like the it's not like the election is about me, but I'm having a, a harder time getting enthusiastic about it. Yeah, no, I I experienced the same thing. I I subscribed to the Sanders for President subreddit and after the whole Goldman Sachs thing came out, every other post on the front page, every other post on my front page of Reddit was Hillary got this much money from Goldman Sachs. Hillary got this much money from speeches. Hillary gave this many speeches. And it's just like everybody was incessantly like obsessed with this thing. And maybe it's legitimate and maybe it's not. But it got to this point of obsession where it's like, I don't know. When I was in high school, I saw Colin Powell give a speech at a Zig Ziglar thing. And Hillary is right. A lot of retired or, well... She wasn't retired, but a lot of retired politicians do give speeches. So I, I get that there's some gray area and there's some skepticism as to are you going to get half a million dollars from an organization and then turn around and shut them down? Probably not. But uh, but there's this obsession and this this single-mindedness and an extremism. And it can only go so far, right? I mean, it, it doesn't mean she's in bed with these people. It just means maybe... You know, it could mean a number of things on the spectrum, like you said. It could it could mean many things, but I don't I don't think it's an all or nothing in every case. My point is more that like it's like it's becoming it's because it's becoming a complete demonization 
of of both Hillary and like Trump demonizing everybody in the Republican Party as well. And I have I have a lot I have like I have a lot less I guess experience with the Republican Party because like I, I just generally I I just have a lot less experience with them. But like I just I don't like I don't buy it. I don't buy like I don't buy that Hillary would be would be running for president and then not at least have the people's interest in mind. Not that not that she, the way that she would go about providing that service to the people as president would like is in agreement with everybody else but just the idea that she is only in it for herself which is like the idea that is being passed across i think is just outrageous i feel like like presidents don't get in it for themselves unless you are donald trump but what is trump in it for i just said he is in it for himself but 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 for what he's got money He's got fame. You know what I'm I, saying? I, I would I say mean, it's like the next big thing. But I don't. I don't know. I just. I don't know. I feel and 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 people. I mean, everybody hates Trump. Am I, anytime I ever defend anything about him, my girlfriend gets furious with me. But I. I don't think. I think he actually must have some kind of motivation, unless he's literally a sociopath and a narcissist. I, I don't. I don't think that. He would. It's a hard job. I mean, you look at any U.S. president when they enter office versus when they leave. I mean, it's a it is a hard job. I don't believe he's just doing this as a bullet on his resume. He's got to, in his twisted mind, somewhere, think that he would be helping somebody. I think. I mean, I, I don't think. I don't think. I, I think he says a lot of terrible, terrible things, and I don't agree with them. But I. I don't think it's possible that he's as much of a monster as a lot of people think he is. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think, like, there would have to be a legitimate mental, some kind of disorder, some kind of sociopathic narcissistic disorder in order for him to actually be that, like, that completely self-interested. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's my take. How do we get on this topic? I don't remember. I don't remember what tangent brought us there. Oh, I was talking about the Federal Reserve Bank. Anyway, so we're not going to all yeah. do a podcast together, I guess. No, we shouldn't. Well, that's great. Well, we That'd did be get... bad for everybody. <laughs> we uh, we did get one uh, comment in the chat box, I guess, before we move on from Sir John Oldcastle. Sir Oldcastle. And uh, the comment is, you know, Mr. Burns, you're the richest guy I know. Way richer than Lenny. Yes, but I'd trade it all for a little more. Interesting. I can see that. I can see many things. I don't know, man. People be crazy. People be crazy. And now we can start our podcast with your segment. Yeah. I talk about life stuff. Life, life stuff. stuff. Can we do that together? Was that pretty good? That was... <laughs> I can edit it so we do it together, but... Uh... That was in sync. That was pretty good. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have a ton to say about life stuff, except that uh, this this weekend... This coming weekend, so I'll talk about this next week, my entire family is going to come and stay at our house. And when I say my entire family, I mean my my mom and stepdad from Rockford, and then my brother and his wife, and then their son. Uh, so Max's cousin, my nephew. From California. I've met, yep, are coming from California, who I met for the first time um, when we went out to California for Peter's wedding, which was... I, when was that? In, in October? November. November. I knew it was close. Um, and that was the first time I'd met I'd met Noah, who's my my um, nephew. So he, they're going to fly out with him. He's almost a year. He's nine months, nine or ten months now. And they're all going to stay with us in our house, along with my grandma, who's coming up. So, like, it's going to be the fullest house. It's going to be the first time that we've all been together in well, forever with Noah. Um, but really it's going to be the first time we've all been together kind of ever. Will Bob so Saget be there? Yeah. No, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there might be too many cooks in my house. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like a full house to me. No, no. There might just be too many cooks. I see that. I can, yeah. All right. I yeah. see you and raise you spoiling the broth. <laughs> so it, it's, I'm like super, I'm super duper excited about it. So that's like my that's my big life stuff. The other thing is that I my son, as you can probably tell, like I had said, 
made me sick again because he's so freaking good at that. Uh, and my wife and I, like, we did that thing. We did that thing this weekend, and and um, you don't have a kid, so you don't know. You don't like know about this, but like, I don't know of any kids. I I, I love my son. I would like to preface this by saying that I like I would do anything for my son. I love my son more than anything. When I am like really sick like this, like I probably had a fever. I don't know. I think there's a good chance. Like I love him, but the last thing I want to do is like take care of him, like entertain him. Uh, I just because I I like can't put any effort into it at all. All I want to do is just like lay down. I just want to lay down. So we're both sick at the same time. Casey and I are both sick at the same time. So we do that thing where we like take turns excusing ourselves from his presence just to be like alone and lay in bed. And so we took, we did like the thing where you take shifts. Like you, you have to take shifts because you need to be able to lay down and try to recover. But also you can't let him kill himself, which he would, which he would do. That is what he would do if we left him alone. So somebody has to watch him. So we took shifts and like she would go take like a three hour nap and then I would just go leave and I would lay down and I wouldn't nap because I can't nap. Uh, but I would like just kind of chill out and try to rest and recover. What do and you so mean, that was like the what weekend. What do you mean you can't nap? I can't nap. What does I that can't mean? Fall asleep. I can't fall asleep in the middle of the day. What does that mean? Like ever? Ever. I, I, I like can't nap anymore. I used what? to be able to when I stayed up. Like the only way that I can ever really nap is if I intentionally stay up far too late. Like, I would need to stay up till like, 2 or 3 in the morning. And even then, I would have a hard time napping. We have a question in the chat. Wouldn't you rather still change a diaper than talk with me? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, well, certainly. Yes. What if I'm talking to you about... What if I'm changing your diaper? No. You not sure? into that. I drink a lot of fruit smoothies, so I get a lot of fiber. So it would be... Uh- Gross. It would be gross. Clean? <laughs> it's never clean. I can definitely tell you that it is never clean. It's never clean. Stop feeding your family corn. I feed my family a healthy diet of uh, chipotle uh, and cigarette butts. <laughs> so so Max's poop is uh, it's pretty gross. It's wow. Pretty gross. That is impressive. Yeah. Whew. It is because I don't even smoke. So trying to find them is difficult. That's uh, that I'm a provider. Sound, yeah, that does sound difficult. I am a, I am a provider. Well, um, good for you. So is that all your life, your entire life yeah. summed up into? Yeah, I'll probably have a lot to talk about life stuff next next week because um, they're going to be my family's going to be here all weekend. So I'll probably have a lot to talk about. I bet you will. Hmm. And uh, well, I'm glad you couldn't make it this week, despite your busy schedule of cleaning and preparing the house. It was kind of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, hey, no problem. So I actually, I know we started the the pod, so this is a lifestyle podcast, but we are video game fans and occasionally talk video games, and I, I know you, you touched on a, I, what I thought was an adorable video game story at the top of the episode, but I would like to go full gamer. Gamer, gamer, gamer. You don't gamer. need to. Gamer. Don't need to do that. Sound effect for the thousandth time. And I actually beat a video game for the first time in forever. Wait, didn't you finish Metal Gear Solid, though? Metal Gear Solid 5? I beat Metal Gear Solid 5 forever ago. We never talked about it on the podcast because I'm still not done with it. Okay. You're never going to be done with that game. I'm never going to be done with that game. No, no, no. No, no, no. Um, so for Christmas, my wonderful, amazing girlfriend got me a PlayStation 4. And... One of the games she got with that was the PlayStation 4 exclusive, The Order 1886. Okay. You, have you heard of this game? I have heard of this game. All right, cool. It is by, who did it? Ready at Dawn uh, and the uh, Sony Computer Entertainment Santa Monica Studio. So uh, Sony Computer Entertainment. It's a single-player action-adventure game. But I am going to be talking about much larger, broader Overarching. Strokes. Yes. Strokes. Strokes. We Strokes. Bro- yeah, I'm not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of the gameplay so much as the experience of playing the game. So so we'll talk story and things like that. So, you know, if, if the listener's not a gamer, it, this should still be a, a relatively enjoyable thing. So it takes place in 1886, obviously, and you play as one of the knights of the round table. 
which is still around in 1886. Basically, the Knights of the Round Table have the water of life or something, or I, I, it's never really explained, but they have a, an elixir that keeps them immortal, essentially. So if you get really badly wounded, you can take a little swig, and then boom. So you're, you're, everyone on the order is hundreds of years old, right? Okay. So, so we're um, talking like Lancelot, King Arthur, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Percival, like all them, they're all on it, which is cool. I think it's a cool concept, and it's, it's steampunk. So Nikola Tesla is kind of like the... Who's the guy in James Bond that gives you all the gadgets? Q. Q, right? He's, so Nikola Tesla is like the Q of the order, and he's building you electricity guns and things that shoot a bunch of powder that you then fire uh, a fire thing at, and that combusts everything. So he gives you your flashy gadgets. He's got a lab in the basement. There's lightning everywhere because it's 1886, and it's Nikola Tesla, and he's... Specifically, like James that's, Bond. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah, that's what he does. So it's he, cool. He works it's, with lightning. Yeah, it's like a little um, fictional with historical twists, like you'll see in the Final Fantasy series when they utilize mythological characters for their plot lines, like Bunavelza. Like Bunavelza, exactly. So, <laughs> so that's the setup for the game, and it's a third-person action adventure kind of shooter. Shooter, um, right? It's a third-person shooter. Yeah, why not? Sure. So. Um, you run around and do things. So the, the kind of main story is there are half-breeds, or basically they're werewolves, and you have to kill werewolves to a very, very, very small degree. You only fight werewolves a few times in the game. The rest do the, of the time, villagers have to choose who you kill? Do the werewolves appear as humans during the day? Yeah, so, um, so how it works is everyone at the round table... They all put their head down and they go to sleep, and they have to okay. they have to clap their leg, okay, and then I think I might have played this game. Maybe so. Then one of the characters has to wake up, and then the werewolf actually will kill somebody while everybody's eyes are closed. And then when they mm-hmm. open their eyes, you have to figure out which one of the knights of the round table is a werewolf. So, okay, I mean, it sounds like a difficult game. It's it's tough, man. It's very meta in okay. and of itself. So. Sure. So that's, that's the basic setup for it. The, the undercurrent of the whole story is there's a rebel uprising. And at this, so you got to, yeah, you want to kill werewolves when they're around. But other than that, there's a rebel uprising. It's really bad. They want to overthrow something. They think there's evilness. And uh, it's kind of whatever. You're there to kind of maintain the status quo, make sure the rebels don't uprise too much. And, and someone in the order has a suspicion that something something shady is going on within the order or within the actual government. Maybe the rebels are on to something. You never really know. And it becomes this big mystery and this conspiracy theory that the government is working with the East India Company and uh, uh, basically helping cultivate the growth of werewolves and the spread of werewolves around the world. So it becomes they this, would. Yeah, it would. It becomes this big, overarching, encompassing plot that, that includes lots of different elements. has a couple plot twists, which I think are pretty cool. Um, I like the way the story ends, and it's kind of resolved. And, um, and it's, it's, it's overall, it's a pretty good story, so I like that a lot. It's a very, very cinematic game. And so, like, movie-like. Very movie-like. So cinema is actually related to movie. In, okay. In, like, if I'm going to go to the cinema, it, I typically am saying that I'm going to go to the movies. You could, yes. you could. They're actually interchangeable. But I don't but, say that because I'm not a douchebag. Wait, which one do you not say? That you're going to the cinema? I'm going to the cinema. Well, well do you ever say you're going to the Cinemax? I say I'm going to the talkies. Sometimes. What's the talkies? That's that's the cinema. That's not like a derogatory term for radio. Talkies. No, that I believe this. I believe that the cinema was once called the talkies. I don't believe because, the cinema was ever called the talkies. I believe they were called the talkies. I don't believe cinema was ever called talkies. No, but movies might have been called talkies. Movies was not called talkies. I believe they might have been called the talkies. No. All right. The panel of expert judges in my apartment says that yes. Cinema and movies were originally, at one point in time, not originally necessarily, but at one point referred to also as talkies. So I'm glad we, they were, we they wrapped were that up. called that. Yes. So, that is actually what I just said. Yeah, very cinematic game, and there are a lot of quick time events. So if you don't know what a quick time event is, it's when there's a cinematic scene going on, and let's say your guy throws a punch and somebody blocks it, and then they reach out to punch you. 
it'll flash the square button on the screen. And if you press the square button real fast, you'll parry that attack, and then it continues the scene. If you don't press it, then basically you get killed or something, and then the game restarts 30 seconds prior, and you get to redo it. So It's basically... So a quick time event is basically the way that the game tells you that you are still playing a video game. Because it's like, we're going to show you this incredible cutscene that looks like it could easily be a movie, but we're going to occasionally make you press a button in the middle of it to remind you that you are playing a video game. Yeah, how do you feel That's about... That's kind of like what QuickTime events are. How do you feel about QuickTime events? I think, I think when used appropriately and not too frequently, they can be effective. They can be okay. I don't think that they're ever... They're, they're like a fun thing to look at. That's that's what I like about them is they are typically done in a way that makes them super fun to look at. But when they're all over the place, I don't like them that much. Yeah, I agree. I think they were done pretty well in the order. I had not played a lot of games with extensive use of quick time events in the past, so this was kind of new to me. Um, yeah, like if you will ever like so, I've played all the God of War games, which I very much enjoyed. But they're so heavy with quick time events, like of off very frequently, the control is taken away from you. And the only the only input that you have into the game is the quick time event. It happens oftentimes even just when you're like executing an enemy. So it happens far too frequently in that game for like my liking. No, so anyway, it's it's cinematic. There's some quick time events. It's very steampunk. It's a game. I honestly wish that uh, my my girlfriend had been around to see me play more of because it is a very watchable game in between the excessive scenes of violence. And I think that I had a very... So overall, I thought the game was, was pretty good. Um, uh, I saw a lot of uh, new media outlets and, and video game reviewers gave it a, between a 6 and a 7 for a review. I would have maybe given it an 8. I thought it was a pretty solid game. And it's, it's playable in a... So everyone, you kept telling me 6 hours. Somebody kept telling me 6 hours. Some different places were like, oh, six-hour game, six-hour game. I thought it was more like eight, which I think is fine for a game. Yeah. It's perfectly reasonable for a game. It's a game I would have liked for her to have been around more of because it is very watchable. Um, I think I would have enjoyed it more or maybe could not enjoy it ever again as much as I could have after having played Metal Gear Solid Five because that's interesting in the metal gear solid series you are rewarded for pacifism you are rewarded for not killing you try to capture as many enemies as you can alive send them back to your base in the order you get in a gunfight with some rebels okay and that's fine and you've got your gun and five ten rebels run at you and it's a shooter you have to shoot and kill them so you kill ten humans then you go around a corner in an alley, and the game's beautiful, by the way. The, the graphics are unbelievably good. They're very, very good. It's an extremely detailed game. Really love the graphics. You go around the corner, and then a wave of 30 enemies comes, and you just murder all of them. Of course you do. And that repeats over and over again. So it was almost jarring the first couple gunfights I got in, because I'm like, wait, you, I can't just kill all these humans. I thought I was supposed to kill werewolves. That's fine. It's like I get over it, um, but but I, you know when people say that the, that some video games can desensitize you to violence, it I don't know. It was weird. For You're me. saying that because you didn't have to kill everybody in Metal Gear Solid, you have become sensitized to violence. I don't know if I'm sensitized to violence. I'm just the violence in this game is you kill. So there's another part where you're just in some downtown area and you're going to check out a possible rebel hideout and you get ambushed by 40 or 50 rebels so you've got a group of 40 or 50 dudes just running at you that you're just slaughtering with guns and then it kind of ends and it just feels like it never is going to stop and and i'm kind of like is this is this really the goal of the knights of the round table to just murder dozens of rebels and also where are these rebels coming from cuz usually uh, in metal gear you would you would infiltrate a base or there'd be a certain area and there's a patrol and maybe there's 20 or 30 guys at the most and then if you eliminate them they're gone but this was just like waves after waves after waves and it's like where are these where are these rebels coming from I, I mean, they just kind of maybe they've always been there. They 
Maybe they have to be there. Maybe they have to be there. So that's fine. To make that, the game. I, so I started to look at the violence as cartoonish because it kind of is. It's like, oh, you just killed five guys? Here comes five guys running at you. And your guy yells, oh, shotgunner. And a guy with a shotgun just beelines for you. And you've got to kill him before he gets to you and blows you up with a shotgun. And it's like, okay, all right, I, can, I can get used to this. But then later in the game, you convince one of the other knights of the order that maybe there something is going awry at the East India Trading Company. Perhaps okay. Perhaps they're involved in some uh, activities that are part of a conspiracy or they're really bad and you need to check them out. And you're like, okay. So you infiltrate this base and you drop in and you drop in and you're, you're quiet, you're crouched, you're behind this, de- this guy. And I'm thinking Metal Gear. Okay, I'll jump him, I'll choke him out. Cool, I, pa- you know, I, I knocked out the East India yep. Guard. And now I'll go infiltrate. The guy, I jump the railing, stab him in his shoulder. What is that called? The um, the jugular. It's called your shoulder or shoulder or what? The stab him in, in his sh- basically in his neck, and then take it out, and then like stab him three times in the chest, and just like shove his dead body to the side. So it's like brutally violent murder of an East India Trading Company guard which is not legal in any way. And your guy gets on your little radio thing and he's like, Oh, you sure you need to resort to violence? And you get your guys only explanation is just like, uh, trust me, there's no time for propriety or something like haven't that. Haven't you, haven't you spent like the entire game up to that point, just mowing down enemies? Not the entire time. You do mow down a lot of rebels. And again, there are some werewolves that you fight in between there. The rebels, it at yeah. least seems like, okay, these are anti-government. They're causing some kind of uprising. I, I like okay, but then you get in this base of the East India Trading Company, and I quote unquote sneak in by shooting them all with a crossbow. <laughs> or when you do, it's very sneaky. It's a very you, sneaky when crossbow. You do a melee kill. You stab them like I'll stab them in the side six times and then shove them over. It's like really no. excessively violent, and. Um, it just doesn't seem to be in the spirit. And I, I get that your guy has detected a conspiracy, but it just feels a little like, wow, that's a little intense. So it's got the whole supernatural thing. I mean, it's 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 werewolves. Like, do they really lean into that? I mean, or is it because you also kind of made it sound like it's mostly you're fighting humans. Yeah, you're mostly fighting humans. So but I thought it was like, a, see, and I thought the game was kind of pitched as like a supernatural type thing, like... I thought that was kind of what they what they originally said the game was about. So I actually find that kind of interesting, that it's mostly humans that you're fighting. Yeah, I think there are four werewolf fights in the game. Huh, okay. Maybe five, and then maybe 10 to 20 gun battles. And the rest is just you fighting humans? Pretty much mostly you fighting humans, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was interesting. Anyway, I know that you can get the game used now for cheaper than a full price new game right and i think that was one of the biggest you talked about this but i think that was one of the biggest criticisms of the game especially in terms of length was it was like the first it was like the first exclusive or the first big exclusive to come out for the playstation 4 and it was a full price 60 dollars game and then it came out that it was like four to six hours long and people and it didn't have like anything that was that was there to extend the life of the game like there's no multiplayer um there's no there's nothing beyond the story part of the game so yeah i can see that i mean there are trophies obviously you could go trophy hunting um there's a there's a cool photography feature built into the game that i think was maybe there to showcase some of the powers of the ps4 where you can sure. you can take photographs and basically pause the game at any point, zoom out, reposition, do whatever. I uploaded a couple on on the PS4 network or whatever that I thought actually looked kind of cool. Um, so I played with that a little bit. Um, again, I enjoyed the game really thoroughly, and I you know I didn't have to pay for it, so for me it was a great value. Um, it, but and I was like, the acting is unbelievably good. The facial expressions are really, really good on the motion capture. The voice acting is phenomenal. It's a very, very well-performed game. So production value is quite high. The production value is exceptional. I think, I think it's one of the... I mean, it's, it's on par with The Last of Us, which That's is, awesome. you know, maybe... Yeah. 
maybe like 95% there for The Last of Us, but sure. it's really close. It's it's very, very good. Um, so yeah, my only complaint storyline-wise uh, story was that the main character is, is sometimes a bit unlikable. Like once he discovers this supposed conspiracy, he just gets really angry and yells at everybody. Like there's a kind of love interest that's trying to talk to you at one point in the game and he's just like, I don't have time to explain. Uh, I'm not going to get into this with you. Uh, and he just like kind of snarls and, and won't have a, a civil conversation with anybody. I think it's a bit overdone the last third of the game. But other than that, uh, yeah, if, if you've got – I think it would be a really, really, really good, fun game to play in one sitting. I mean, this is the kind of game where you have a friend over on a Friday or Saturday night – and yeah. you trade off every chapter or something, and you play through it. And I think that would have been the best way to play the game. So if I ever had the opportunity to do that, I would totally do that with um, you know, my girlfriend around or somebody else. Also, pro tip for those of you who live with somebody that doesn't like shooters, I, just, I went in the options menu and I turned down the sound effects whenever I got into a gunfight. And so the voice acting is is still up, the music is still up, and the one other thing is still up, but no gunshots. So it's more it's it's less explosiony. Sure. For those of you who are in a situation, a little easier on the a little easier on the ears, a little, little less little easier on the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, that's that's what I thought about. 1886. And I thought of the whole cinematic thing because you talked about that one horror game that you say is just perfect for sitting around with friends playing. Yes, absolutely. And I was just thinking about that when you mentioned that. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of the whole time. I was, that was until dawn. Yeah. yeah, until dawn. Right. So anyway, The Order, check it out if you've got a PS4. There's no reason not to. I think it's closer to an eight-hour game, maybe eight, eight to ten, than four to yeah, six. Yeah, and you can but... definitely pick it up for cheap. You could pick it up uh, new probably for 20 bucks in certain places now yeah but but i don't think that i think news outlets were a bit harsh on it maybe if it had been at a lower price point new or there were there were more exclusives or something yeah. I, maybe it was just a wrong place wrong time but i think in another place in another time slightly it would have gotten uh, a bit higher reviews because I, I thought it was enjoyable yeah so there's that so there's my uh I'm going full gamer on our lifestyle podcast. I do like that. Next up. It's nice to hear you actually played something. Yeah, it's crazy. And actually, I just started playing The Witcher 3. Oh, so you're going to be playing that until the end of the year then. <laughs> Apparently. I got, uh, I only played like an hour and they already introduced the card game. Have you heard about this? Gwent. Gwent. Yeah. I have heard that Gwent is more fun than Hearthstone. They made real cards. Did they really? Yeah. After the game got so popular, they made they made real Gwent decks. Where can I get Gwent cards? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. Probably on the internet where you can get everything else. Yeah, that's true. I'll probably look on Amazon. Also, oh, have you ever heard of Camel, Camel, Camel? Like the cigarettes? I told you I feed those to my family. No, no, no. Camel, Camel, Camel is the cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. I'm talking about Camel, Camel, Camel. I just said I guess that. maybe I haven't heard of that. No, Camel, Camel, Camel is a website that tracks prices on amazon and it'll alert you when it gets below a certain threshold oh i have a google plugin for that oh really yeah but oh. yes that's that is a helpful service yeah it is i set a price alert for wrestlemania 17 and it went on tickets tickets to wrestlemania 17 so wrestlemania 31 has already happened so you you're gonna need to get in a time machine or no was wrestlemania 30 last year it was wrestlemania 30 no. That seems really expensive. WrestleMania to have to get 17 is widely considered to be the best WrestleMania, and it usually goes for 60 to $80 on Amazon. At one point, the high price was $300. Like for a DVD? For the original copy of the DVD. Because it was also pressed before WWE rebranded itself World Wrestling Entertainment. So the original branding is still, uh, the original branding watermark isn't blurred out. Okay. So anyway, is that I, it, really that important? Yes. Okay. If you go watch them, if you go back and watch old wrestling matches with the logo blurred out on every corner, on every turnbuckle, on the stage, any anywhere the logo is on the screen is uh -huh. blurred out. It's awful. Okay. It's like really annoying. Anyway, I went on sale for twelve bucks, so I snatched it up immediately. That was awesome. Well, thank you, Camel, 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 Camel. You're welcome, 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 welcome. I wasn't calling you camel. 
But that can be your call sign. If you want me to call you Camel, I could be um, – you could be Camel and I could be um, the Wild Man. Is that what I would have to be? That's what we're going to do. Wild Man and Camel Cam- in the morning. Cam- yeah, Wild Man and Camel in the morning. We're going to be in the new morning team up in uh, Newark. That's where everybody starts is in Newark. Newark. Why not? Newark. I got nothing else. You Good. you used it all up. You used Let's up talk all about of the me. Getting Geek Network. We're okay. part of that. What know? is that? What is that? Well, John, I'm glad you asked. The Getting Geek Network is a network of podcasts and other geeky stuff that we are a member of. We're actually streaming live. Whenever John and I record, we stream live on geeks.live, which you can check us out on Tuesday nights. This is when we record, and then I post our podcast on Thursdays. So, uh, yes, th- Tuesday nights at 7.30 Central Time. Check us out on Geeks.Live. But the Gunning Geek Network has lots of other really cool shows, such as, including, the Starling Tribune, which uh, this week, in their season four edition, Sins of the Father, this is an Arrow TV show fan podcast, by the way, uh, on the Starling Tribune uh, season four edition, during this podcast, they'll talk about what happened on episode 13 of the CW television show, Arrow, Sins of the Father, as well as Easter eggs, news articles, and announcements that have dropped in the last week or so, and that could impact future episodes. It actually just says in the past, but I decided to give it a more specific time frame. We also give okay. you spoiler-free takes on the Earth 2 Flash episode, and you can tune into that to hear all your DC comic book screen talk that affects the Green Arrow. And that's on the Sterling Tribune, uh, Season 4 edition, Sins of the Father, this week. John, I thought you were going to read the next one, but maybe not. Nope. I thought you you were looked like you were going just fine. No, so. that's fine. Great. Okay, cool. And then on episode 198 of All Things Good and Nerdy, Babyface Willie. If you've ever seen a video version of All Things Good and Nerdy before, then this is the week to do so, as Willie shaves his beard live on air. Holy crap. That was based on that Super Bowl bet, right? That's right. And while Naki is away, the boys talk spoiler-free about the Deadpool movie while running down the news of the week. Seriously, this week is all about Willie paying off his Super Bowl bet to Anthony and losing the beard. Look at you, just knowing all about that Super Bowl bet that we talked about. Know all about that Super Bowl bet. So what do you got going on this week? Anything? Anything interesting? No. Good. All right. Excellent. The Witcher. Yeah, The Witcher's good. And I got I the know. WrestleMania I, DVD, which I will probably I watch. What makes that What makes that WrestleMania so good? Why is that one widely considered the best? It's just the best matches. Um, it's it was the Stone Cold Stunner. No, it was the second time The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin headlined WrestleMania. Um, it had a hardcore match, a hardcore triple threat match with The Big Show, Kane, and Raven, wherein at one point Kane steals a golf cart. And oh, I told we so we watched that together. I know we did. It was okay. the best. The matches are so yes. good. There's a match I believe with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle, or maybe Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle. Um, it's just it just got the best matches. It's just the absolute best. Um, I think maybe I don't know. There's other stuff. I think Undertaker fights Triple H in that one, which is anytime anytime a golf cart gets stolen, I think it's a quality product. Kind of yeah. no matter what the product is. Unless I'm mixing this up with the hardcore Battle Royal WrestleMania, where there were 20 people in the ring at the same time, and it was just dumb, um, but it was still funny. Oh, and it was the TLC match with the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian. Which is widely considered one of the best matches in wrestling history, basically. As long as Doink the Clown shows up, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm good. There like, actually may have been a gimmick battle royal at that WrestleMania. I want Doink to be there because he's got the best name of a wrestler ever. Actually, so. the gimmick battle royal was WrestleMania 17, and Doink the Clown was in it. I'm not okay, kidding. Then it's got to be the best WrestleMania then. So, well, as we do every week. Thank you, listener, for listening to the Game Life Balance U.S. podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode, and leave us a review if you really want to make our day. You can find us on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com, or on the official podcast network of Chicago's WGN Radio at WGNPlus.com. Learn more about Game Life Balance, including contact information and links to our sister show in Australia at GameLifeBalance.us. And as I say at the end is of the episode... Is this the part where you beg for reviews on iTunes? I, I'm going to say it at the end of every episode. Is this the part where you beg for reviews on iTunes? I think I do it in a very, very classy way. 
Listener, if uh, if you want to, we would really appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes. It helps gain visibility for us, um, moves us up the list in terms of lifestyle podcasts, and it's a very good thing to do. So we would really appreciate it if you did that. Just hop onto iTunes and give us a quick uh, give us a quick five star review. Yes, only also, five star reviews. Also, though. listener, if you were that's not true. Review us however you want. Star us however you want. Just the more reviews, the more visibility you get on on iTunes, and the more people end up seeing you, and the more listeners you end up. Tell getting me in, more in about how badly you want an iTunes review. I I want it really bad. Tell me how badly. I want it really bad. Why did you whisper that into the microphone? I'm trying, I was just trying really hard not to cough a bunch. <laughs>